Glad you have a chance to mix it up. I know sometimes turn and greet's a little bit like, what are we doing? So you're greeting one another. You're not blowing in and blowing out. We're together as a church family, and uh, my name's Carrie, and as lead pastor, I want to say welcome. Thanks for coming, especially if you're new here today. We're glad that you're here. And, um, you know, uh, Reed, I want to just give you uh, a deep word of appreciation as pastor of this church on behalf of the whole church for coming and sharing your gift today um, with us launching our Access um, Ministry for Disability Inclusion. It was great to have you included in our worship service today, and we'll look forward to you closing it down here in a little bit, all right, friend? And, uh, you know, that part where you shared, I am alive in Christ, and you repeated it over and over again. I want you to know, Reed, that that's very special to us here because we are called the Awakening Church, and our mission statement is to be fully alive in Christ and to his mission. And so for you to be able to share that with us from your heart today, I mean, that I, I'm done. I, you know. What else do we need to know as concerning the mission that we are as a church? Well, we are here in the summer, and uh, we're going to finish out uh, the psalm series next week. So come back for that. I really want to encourage you to come back and have tacos and hang out, uh, sort of gathering people back. We all get scattered, a lot of fun things we do during the summer. But we're ready to get back in line, and we will finish out uh, the summer psalms next week. Now, as you know, the psalms is God's playlist in the Old Testament. The Hebrew people had psalms and prayers and petitions that they would repeat and sing over and again. And so we are gifted with this iPod playlist of 150 psalms. And we didn't come anywhere close to being able to touch on all of those this summer. But uh, maybe we'll bring it back at another time. But the psalms that we have touched on have showed us that God is not a distant God, but God is a God who is present. And God is a God that we can be raw with our emotions and pour our hearts. Whether it was King David or other people who wrote the psalms, you have the ability to come to God, not all nice and pretty with your life, all put together, but to come and just be real with him. And so I trust as you've used the Psalms in your life this summer, maybe to breathe life into your relationship with Jesus Christ, that you have found yourself taking another step of dimension, a dimensional step closer to just being real. I don't like fakiness. Do you like fakiness? Do you like fakiness in church? I don't like fakiness in church. It's the last place you need to be faky. You need to be real with God. And so David is real with God. And the psalm we're looking at today is a psalm that, um, well, is really a fairly popular song. Some, psalm uh, 139, some of you maybe are familiar with it. It's actually one of those psalms that they take out a few verses or phrases here and there, and you'll find it on a coffee mug or a plaque on a wall or somebody doing a, a decorative thing that's been embroidered or something. And the psalm embodies a lot of hope and inspiration concerning who God is and what he knows and thinks about you. If I was to ask you this morning, what does God really think about you? How would you fill in the blank? How would you answer it? Well, I don't know. God, I think, he, I think God loves me, right? That's the Jesus answer. That's what we're supposed to say. Uh, I don't know. Are we supposed to um, uh, really contemplate what God thinks of us? Like, I, I'm sure that he's got some heavy statements he would probably make about me. 
Or maybe you're in a place that you don't even think God knows who you are. I want you to dive into this psalm today of David and be filled with hope for who you are and the uniqueness of your very own life. Now, for one, Psalm 139, and I've spoken on Psalm 139 before, and we can sort of uh, take it apart and do a lot of different things with it. I, I want to go uh, to four verses in particular. And those verses then will unpack some of the other verses. But the verses begin with Psalm 139, 13. It says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now those are pretty transcendent kind of verses. And those verses are for each and every one of us here this morning. And I want to encourage you that the God of the universe who created all things is so great and he is so powerful and he is so awesome that he's not only a great God, a big God, but he's a small God. And what I mean by small is that he can be involved in the intricate parts of our very life, even beginning at conception in our mother's womb. Have any of you in here ever known somebody when they were still in their womb? Well, those of you who are moms will probably say yes. I remember when Melissa was pregnant for the first time for us, and it's like, oh, this is a new experience, that's great. God bless you, honey, that we're going to have a baby. And I did not dial in until when? The first ultrasound. Why? Because I didn't know the baby. Yeah, she was, you know, filling out in the tummy a little bit. She talked about being nauseated, sick, those kinds of things. But it wasn't until the first ultrasound where I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, I better get my act together here. It's coming. There's, there's things going to be rocking our household. It's going to be changing, right? A mom knows the child in the womb, the kicking and the moving. But you know who all else knows that? The great big God who is a little God because he's involved in the intricate things. And he knew you even when you were in the womb. You created my inmost being. It's just not the body parts that you see physically. It's the inner part. You knit me together, my mother's womb. Can you, can you think of God as somebody who knits? Believe it or not, my, my grandma taught me how to knit when I was a little boy. I was bored at her house, right? And we do this little knitting, double loop, triple loop kind of thing. And I know it's not really cool, right, for me, but yeah, I learned to knit a little bit. I couldn't do it now for the life of me, probably. But there's this intricate development, and God's a knitter, and he knitted your life in your mother's womb. 
The psalmist says, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Actually, there's not an and there and there's not the word made. It's just, I praise you fearfully and wonderfully. There's this this idea of, of awesomeness, of how incredible this is. Do you know that awe is only possible as a human being? You create You experience awe, like you stand before the Grand Canyon, right? Or you see something incredible, or maybe you're just even watching Reed up here this morning as he sings a song. You're in awe of God's greatness and goodness. And sometimes, have you ever been in awe to the point where you've gotten goosebumps? Do you know that no other animals can't do that? Now, when you give your dog a piece of food, a a treat, your dog, oh, yeah, it's like the dog's not really in awe. He's experiencing or she's experiencing some other kind of emotion in that moment, but they cannot experience awe. Animals might get goosebumps because because of fear, but not because of transcendence. And the apostle, I mean, uh, the psalmist David here is in awe of the transcendence of how incredibly intricate, fearfully and wonderfully made. For the life of me, and I've talked with many, I have friends who are doctors, medical doctors and stuff like that. I don't know how you work with the body and not be in awe or believe in a creator God. That it all happened by chance. Just incredible how it's all knit and everything comes together. And so the psalmist David here is talking about who God is and what God means to him in his life and what's going on. And he dials into this beautiful experience of just contemplating the human being and himself, and that God knew him, that he's a small God, knowing in the intricate parts of his mother's womb and putting everything together. And God, I know full well, you will never surprise God about anything in your life. You trying to hide something from God right now? I don't want to talk to my God about that. I'm sort of doing that here on the side. God knows. God knows, so why not just be real and say, God, you know me. You know everything about me. You knew me when I was in my mom's womb. My frame wasn't hidden from you. I was in that secret place, but you were there. You were there putting it together in the heartbeat and everything. I was woven uh, together in the depths of the earth. What's that mean? Well, a lot of times it refers to from dust we came and to dust we return. It's that kind of uh, broad, comprehensive understanding of God's creation of us. Your eyes saw my unformed body. It wasn't just a uh, formed body. When you see an ultrasound, it was before it was even formed into appendages and things. God saw the unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written for you, by, were written in your book. You know God. I'm not going to live one day short of what God intended or knew for me to live. How about we go to the womb? A little bit of awe experience. Some of you are familiar with these. Joe and Rebecca, I know you guys are. Now you see Harrison on the outside of the womb rather on the inside, right? Remember the ultrasound? One of the biggest mistakes I ever made in my life. My wife left right now. That's good, so I can tell this. We did our ultrasound, and we videotaped it back on VHS. First one, we had it. It was good. 
And then we had our very first service of a church we started in Indianapolis back in 1992. Our very first gathering. And, oh, now she walked back in. Uh, <laughs> it's good to see you back in here, Levi. Um, I really wanted the very first service of our church videotaped, right? And so we did. Except, guess what? I videotaped over the ultrasound. Or can't get that back. Somebody must have discovered it or whatever, and it was halfway through. I was frustrated that the service didn't get a videotape. She was frustrated with the ultrasound videotape. Guess who was right and was wrong? She was right. I was wrong. But here, let's go to the womb. God knows. God knows all about you, even from the womb. Do you ever get tired of looking at something like that? There's something about, that's amazing. It's, it's moving around, it's alive, and it's got all of its parts there. It's, it's a real being in, in the womb right there. It's got its own personality. I, I feel for that mom. That's a pretty active kid right there, man. You filling out with moving around. I think it was a boy, too. What do you think? And so it's like this guy that's in the womb there. He's dancing. He's dancing. He is growing. God is knitting him together in that womb. God knew you when you were that small. When you were that intricate. And he planned and he designed for you. He planned and designed for you a purpose that you're supposed to be filling out now in your life. You know, I grew up with a family of five of us siblings. And I had an older sister, two older brothers, and me and my younger sister. And my two older brothers, we were three years apart, and I was always following in their footsteps. 
And so when it came to sports or academics, those kinds of things, and to some degree, I really liked that. They sort of set a precedent for me to live up to what they had become and what they did with their life, that kind of thing. Though you get to a certain point and you're like, I don't want to be, I want to be a little bit different than them. Well, so when we started our family, we had a boy, and then we had another boy, and then we found out that we were going to have another boy. And so I was happy. My wife's like, oh, really? We'd like to have the girl kind of thing. But, you know, and we got that accomplished later on. But um, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to have three boys like I grew up in a family with three boys. And I am going to be driving my minivan. And I'm going to be looking in the rearview mirror. And I'm going to see our three boys and when I looked into the mirror of our minivan with the three boys, I was thinking they would all three be alike. That doesn't happen. Even though I'm sort of alike, like my brothers and look alike and some of those kinds of things. So I'm expecting with the third child that I'm going to have another boy, I'm going to fill up the van, we're good. And two hours after our third son was born, I was woken up from my sleep. I had this down. I'm there for the mom, encouraging her on. She had another friend there for a delivery, so we're good. And we go to sleep. It's the middle of the night. I get woken up. And I hear the words come from my wife, Melissa, Carrie. Something is not quite right. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, that started a process of not only hours and days, but it's been years, where I was introduced to being the parent of a special needs child. Levi, whom we love and excited about, he's a good man, he's all dressed up today for us. He's got trisomy 21, which means he has an extra chromosome on number 21. It's called Down syndrome. Down syndrome was discovered by Dr. Down many years ago. And I was totally ignorant of what this meant. In fact, I remember trying to grab a hold of it and put to my, you know, surely, what do you mean a genetic disorder, those kinds of things? Surely, you know, that's going to go away, right? He'll grow out of it. This, no, this is in the DNA, Carrie. And I had no comprehension of what it was. I'm, I'm working hard. I'm going at it, trying to do ministry, other kinds of things going on. And God just interrupts my world with Somebody that today I would not give for anybody in the world. But to begin with, it wasn't like that for me. I remember calling my folks who were on vacation and letting them know that the third child was born. And, and my dad, I remember dad saying, well, how'd everything go? Is everything good? Is, are all the toes there? Are all the fingers there? And I said, yeah, dad. But then I just broke down because I tried to explain to him, daddy has... We think he has Down syndrome. And my dad didn't know about that. He didn't have any comprehension of it. There were different things in his age growing up, what it is. And so as I tried to unpack it, I actually had to use a word I don't care to use or haven't used. And he finally understood what I was talking about. I remember going home, sort of crushed about it. I didn't know what to think, what would all this entail. I think it was later that week, I found a book, and I got into the book, and I started reading. It was, it was a book by 
an Alabama football coach who had had girls, and he always wanted to have a boy. And he had a boy, and his boy was named Johnny, and Johnny had Down syndrome. That was hard for him as a football coach because it was his boy. Back in those days in the 60s, you would institutionalize people that had that challenge. But they kept him, and they raised him. And I remember one phrase that he wrote about in that book, Stallings is his name. He said, I wouldn't give up Johnny for the world today. I'm like, really? You see, and he was a Christian man. There's certain things that had happened and transpired in his life that God wanted to do in my life when it came to this. And that is that God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. He knows us in our mother's womb and how we are uniquely made. You may not have special needs, but I guarantee I could go around the room today and say, is there something you don't like about yourself? Something you would like to change? Not just about looks, but about personality, about cognitive ability, you know, developmental stuff, athletic ability, music ability. Are there things that you just sort of live with where you're just bothered that you're like this? You wish you were different. Or maybe there's people around you, kids, you're going back into school, which is sort of the hotbed of peer pressure and, you know, and people, you know, measuring people up and down and saying different things. And, and you're like, are you content with who God made you to be? Who God knit you together to be in your mother's womb? Or are you just bothered to the point that you don't even like yourself? And some people can find themselves under crushing weight of despair and depression about their self-identity and who they are. Here is a passage in Scripture for you. A passage that says God made you. He made you in a fearfully wonderful way. I want to explain something here. This has been very helpful to me. I have a problem with this passage if indeed it's a passage that says it was God's ultimate hand that caused a disability in my son. He knit me together, it says in Scripture. We can find ourselves wonderfully fearfully made. But how do I answer the question, what went wrong? Did I do something wrong? How can I fix this? And if you're a parent of a special needs person this morning, you can identify with this. And I remember going through that. Melissa and I both did on the whole forefront of, okay, how does this happen? And then you realize how many people are born with Down syndrome and other things are going on. And yeah, there's the beauty of his life and his uniqueness. And and he's brought us into this incredible community of special needs world that I would have never comprehended. I mean, God showed me things in my life that, that needed to be changed. He showed me that he was a providential in all things and that he could work together for the good of stuff. He showed me that he has plans and purposes for my children that are beyond my comprehension. He also showed me some of my very own prejudices as it relates to dealing with other people. And all that work, but there's still this gnawing thing of why isn't it still quite right? And I want you to know that this has helped me, and for whatever reason, I just felt called to unpack this a little bit. There's a passage in Romans 8 
18 that says this. The Apostle Paul says this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits an eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of him who subjected it, in hopes that creation itself would be liberated from decay and be brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. And we know, and we know that God, that the whole creation groans as in pains of childbirth, right up into the present time. And not only so, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons, as children of God. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all, for who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we must wait for it patiently. And what Paul's describing is that we live in a fallen, broken world. God's ultimate design and pleasure is for everything that's broken to be made right. And he is in the process of making everything right. So when he says, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies, Paul's speaking into the future and saying, all the things that are wrong, including broken bodies, and whether it's disabilities that come from special needs, or whether maybe it's things you don't like about yourself, or brokenness, or maybe you're getting older and the organs are sort of giving away, whatever may be happening, God knows that we live in a fallen creation, and creation groans as in pains of childbirth, right up into the present time. But these groanings are going to give way to redemption and great wholeness, bodies, minds, everything. And so when I'm in the midst of trying to comprehend brokenness, whether it's a brokenness in one of my own child, children or brokenness in my own life or the brokenness in the world that's around me, I have hope because I know we're not there yet. I have a car that has a lot of needs in it right now. The struts are out. It's like riding on a roller coaster. It leaks oil. It has some other electrical issues going wrong. The battery went out a couple weeks ago. This is not a perfect car. In fact, I try to decide, should I trade this car in or not? And then I realize it has no value, probably. <laughs> but it's paid for. And that's the best kind of car to own is one that's paid for, right? It's a car, but it's imperfect. My body, my life, even my mind, it's imperfect. The perfect is coming. Hold on. God's going to redeem it. And I want to share with you just briefly a dream that God gave me just shortly after Levi was born a number of years ago. And Levi, I think you remember me telling you this dream. This dream had me sitting in the grandstands of the basketball stadium of the university that I went to. I didn't make the team, even though I tried out when I was a freshman at this university. But for whatever reason, I was in the grandstands of that Small stadium. And I remember in high school, in high school, 
My mom and dad would always sort of wait for me after the game to come out of the locker room. Some of you have heard me share this story before, but I'm in the grandstands watching this game, and then all of a sudden something happens as I'm watching this game. It's no longer a game of vibrant young adult, you know, 18, 20-something athletes running up and down the court, shooting hoops, making shots, making the moves. It's a Special Olympics game. And the people that are out there playing basketball are handicapped. And some are even in wheelchairs. And you know sometimes how dreams just sort of move, boom, 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 real quick. This dream was moving real quick. And so I'm in the stands, but I can recall it as if it just happened last night. And I'm watching this, and I'm cheering on my, my uh, vibrant young adult uh, man as he's playing basketball for the university that I went to. And then all of a sudden it dawns on me that this is not a regular basketball game. It's a Special Olympics kind of game. And then it switches to me waiting at the end of the basketball court after stadium's empty. And I'm waiting for my son to come out from across the court through the locker room doors so I can greet him. And when he comes, he walks up to me. His full vibrancy as a young adult man just like my other two older sons are. And it dawns on me that I am in one type, in one sense, in a transcendent moment of heaven. And this son, who was just born to us with Down syndrome, and I'm all messed up about it, God is showing to me that in his new resurrected body that he will have someday, he will be as strong and vibrant as my other two sons. And he walks up to me in this dream. And he gives me a hug. And he looks me straight in the eyes. And he says, thanks, Dad, for all you did for me and for loving me. End of dream. I believe it was God giving me partial glimpse of this Roman passage that says that creation groans. We groan sometimes because of the brokenness around us in the lives of other people. But creation is a broken vessel that God's redeeming. He's making all things new. There will be a new heaven. There will be a new earth. We will receive, if we are believers and followers in Christ today, we will receive new bodies, imperishable bodies. How old will they be? I don't know, but you picture the most vibrant season you ever had in your life, and it's at least that, if not better, right? And we will know one another in heaven. The destiny to which we are moving is one where the brokenness and the fallenness around us is done away with. It's almost as if we are in a womb today in this brokenness and God's working us. And he's working us to do what? He's working to change us, to be fully alive in him, to have faith, to have hope, to have perseverance, to be able to have wisdom and knowledge. We're developing things in a broken womb. And when we see him face to face and we are redeemed face to face, we will be known as he is, know him as we are fully known by him. And we will be ushered into an eternity not to sit on some cloud and play a harp, but to rule and to reign with him throughout all of eternity over a new heaven and a new earth. The bodies, the imperishable bodies we have will be bodies that will live forever and they won't be broken. 
Some of you, they may be getting older. I'm starting to get older. I'm like, oh, I doesn't move around as much. My mom, she fell. She, uh, she broke her, her L4. She's in a rehab hospital. She's 89 years old. I talked to her again this week, and she said, Carrie, I'm, I'm on the mend, but my legs are giving out. I just don't have strength anymore. My mom will have strength in her new body someday as my dad has new strength in his new body as he's already passed on to be with the Lord. These are incredible big picture things. And so when you come down to wrestle and struggle with issues of brokenness or self-image issues or maybe even things of, of why is this happening or why did this happen to this individual, know this, that God has a plan and he has a purpose and he is making all things new. And what you need to dial into, and what I'm so grateful God dialed me into, was to dial me into some of my uglies. I am so grateful that we're able to launch. Thank you, Debbie and Darren in particular, for helping bring this emphasis. And for the others of you who are special needs parents here today, especially some of you ladies that are part of the women's Bible study that sort of brought this more into reality here for us as a church. I am grateful for what God's doing in my life through the brokenness of my son. He's purifying and changing things in me. You want to get some things changed in your life? Work with somebody with disabilities. It's not pity that you have. You will have an awesomeness of how uh, realizing how God fearfully and has wonderfully made every person to have their gifts. Some get up and sing in front of us, right, Reed? Some are able, some are able to love and to care and to give and give their presence in certain unique ways that you and I can't touch. No one, no one is without disability in this room. We're all in this together. And as we're in the womb of this earth waiting for creation to be transformed, for us to be transformed, may we live up to God's purposes that he has made for us in our life. There's this verse, some of you might be familiar with it, in John 9, 1 through 3. Jesus, as he went along, he saw a man, uh, they went along, and a man was blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed with him. Another version says the glory of God or the power of God. No, he did not intend in a fallen world for things to be imperfect. He's redeeming that in the future. But in this brokenness and fallenness, he can take that and use it, whether in your life or the person's life that's around you, and see that person's life used for the glory of God. And so I had to dial into the fact that when I looked into the rearview mirror of my minivan, I wasn't looking for three Bowman boys that all looked the same, did the same thing. I was looking for three individually unique people. And when our daughter Grace was added to the family, I look into our van. It's not a minivan, it's an SUV that's broken down. But when I look in there, we're all packed in there. I see four uniquely designed people. No matter their background, their ethnicity, their giftedness, God has made you uniquely to live up to his wholeness and his purpose. And we've got to not only dial into that to ourselves, we've got to tell other people. Do you think the gunman from last week's shooting attacks knew about Psalm 139? 
Or if they knew about it, did they understand it? We need to let everybody know that they're fearfully and wonderfully made and God has ordered the days for them and given them purpose. And then we need to help them along in that pathway. When my wife stands up here to encourage, hey, we've got some places in children's ministry, it's not filling slots. You get the opportunity to share with someone one time a month. The rest of the month you can be in here. You get the opportunity to come alongside of a child and bring inspiration to them. Whether in teaching, whether in care, even with the infants, we do this together. We help people along to understand what David the psalmist understood in 139. You know, may that give some context then as we just read back through the psalm itself from the top. You searched, have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. When I've spoken on this psalm before, you can talk about God's omniscience, His omnipresence, and His omnipotence. Omni, all, all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful. And that's in this psalm. But you need to understand this. This is not a theological or philosophical psalm. David's pouring his heart out saying that this is true of my life. And what's true of my life is that I am intimately known and loved by God. The big God of the universe is a small God and he knows me from my mother's womb. He knows who I am. Oh, search me, God. You know me when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is even on my tongue, Lord, you know it. You know it completely. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. I am intimately known and loved by God. You hem me in. You hem me in behind and before. And you lay your, heart, your hand upon me. Such knowledge. Oh, yeah, this is an odd experience here. I can't get a hold of this. This is incredible. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. I'm intimately known and loved by God. Where, where can I go from your spirit? Man, you knew me in my mother's womb, right? Where can I flee from your presence? If I were to go to the heavens, you were there. If I make my bed in the depths, you were there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your right hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. He's saying the heights and the depths, the wings of the dawn means it's, it's the dawn's rising in the east. The far side of the sea was the Mediterranean Sea, which is on the west. I can't go anywhere without your right hand holding me fast. I can't believe this. I am so intimately known and loved by the Almighty God. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. I'm intimately known and loved by God. And then the verses we already looked at. Let's read them together. Can you do this? Here we go. For you created We'll start over again. you now dialed in. You're too much in spectator mode. Here we go. Ready? For you created my inmost being. You made me together from my mother's womb. I praise you because I fear your wonderfully made. 
I'm intimately known and loved by God. Simply put, this is what I want you to know today. I want you to say this to yourself. I am uniquely designed by God from conception for a particular calling he has placed into my life. Will you repeat that with me? I am uniquely designed by God from conception for a particular calling he has placed into my life. Do you believe that? You need to discover it and know what it is. That's what I want you to know. This is what I want you to do. I need to embrace my uniqueness. Live out God's eternal purpose. And enjoy his present pleasure while I wait with patient hope for a future redemption. And inspire others to do the same. I want you to pray this week. Asking God to reveal fresh and anew to you your uniqueness. And I want you to embrace it. I want you to hug it. I want you to thank God for how he's made you. Yes, we can come up with a big list of things we'd like changed. Why not just one week? Just list things to God that we're so grateful how he's made us. And embrace that in our uniqueness. Live out God's eternal purpose. His eternal purpose is to love him and to love others. Scripture is very clear about that. And that requires serving. Serve him. This week, if you believe in Psalm 139. And then, take a rightful enjoyment of his presence. His presence and his pleasure in your life. While you wait for what Romans 8 talked about for the redemption of our bodies. You need to worship. Worship's when we come here, but worship is every day of your life. Practicing the presence of God, Brother Lawrence, little book about that. Just put Jesus in every seat that's next to you this week and talk to him, converse with him, worship him, and then inspire others to do the same. It's not easy to give your life away. But God has a plan for you in giving your life away. For when you give your life away, you'll receive it in return. That's who he's called us to be in all of our uniqueness. You know, there's some other verses there that talk about the enemy and stuff in Psalm 139, when we're able to see ourselves and we're able to see others more clearly and hopefully engage in them to love them as God would love them. But the psalm ends this way, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I'm going to have us pray. I'm going to invite Joe to come up to help Reed get his headset on and his stand out. Reed's going to close us with a song that actually has part of Psalm 139 in it. But as we pray, I want to pray for you. God may have brought you in here this morning as a broken vessel and someone who's discouraged in many ways. He wants to encourage and lift you up for you to know, for you to know how wonderfully and fearfully you've been made and that he has plans for your life and that all wrongs will be made right someday. But in this day, we serve his purposes and his plans to the fullest.
We're going to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. So many good things happening for us as a church.